For too long, the fertility market has been bewildering, overwhelming, and frankly, I think has downright ignored the needs and difficult experiences of the people they're supposed to be serving. Ovum has made it their mission to change this completely. Now, I am extremely choosy about who I promote on this podcast because I'm very protective of my listeners and audience, which is why you've probably only ever heard one spoken ad like this before. So it's with complete confidence, excitement and pride that I can share this amazing company with you. Ovum care about you, truly. From creating products to support conception and fertility that are designed by doctors and backed by the latest science without cutting any corners, from adding access to meditations I've personally written and recorded inside their pregnancy test boxes, Ovum is founded by individuals who've navigated infertility themselves. I really couldn't be more proud to partner with them and tell you about them. Ovum is driven by the belief that everyone who is trying to conceive deserves better, and I am 100% behind this ethos. So head over to startwithovum.com and use code LIFERAFT10 for 10% off their tests and supplements. A lot of people were saying, well, I think this just reinforces the fact that a lot of patients think that doctors aren't listening to them. And, you know, there's no smoke without fire, I suppose, is a good way of uh, sort of demonstrating this. You know, there are just so many people who I've seen who have not been listened to. And that's why I chose to make to make the real. Hello and welcome to Fertility Life Raft with me, Alice Rose. This podcast is for you if you find yourself longing for a baby and then finding that the path to bringing them home is not easy. It's for you if you've had enough of feeling like you're losing sight of yourself because that's how I felt too. And it's also for you if you're supporting someone going through this and want to understand a little bit more. So welcome to a totally safe space, honest conversation, real and raw stories shared and a little bit of topical stuff too because I really believe it's not all down to you to get through this. The world needs to catch up too. Hello, welcome back to Fertility Life Raft. Such a pleasure to have you with me again and before we get going into this week's episode and this week's guest speaker, just a huge thank you for anyone who sent me a message or left me a review or just given me any feedback at all about this podcast. It really, really means the world. And if I haven't come back to you personally yet, just know that I have seen your email, your message or your review. I have seen it. And every time I see something, it really does bring me a lot of joy. So whether it's just to share an insight that you might have had, or if you want to share with me something that you'd love us to talk about on this show or something that we can do to help raise more awareness or whatever it is like I really want this to feel like a community and that you are part of it and you are welcome here and you are seen and you are important so think of this as like your personal you know radio show (laughs) where you are yeah like the most important listener so get in touch let me know how you are let me know what the podcast has given you but also what you want it to do let's build this up together and big thanks to everybody who has done that already it's amazing so let me introduce this week's guest Dr. Anita Mitra I was super chuffed that she was able to fit me in um, because she's 
really a very busy lady, um, but she's just amazing. So let me tell you a little bit more about her. She is an NHS doctor specialising in obstetrics and gynaecology who also appears online as The Gynae Geek and has been described as a trusted source of knowledge in an era of self-proclaimed gurus and internet experts. She has a PhD from Imperial College London and is often invited to present her research and as a keynote speaker at various learned societies in Europe and America. She continues to work full-time as a doctor in the NHS. Now, during her time in the hospital, Anita realised there were so many myths and misconceptions about women's health, often complicated by inaccurate information and false claims online. She therefore embarked on her mission to provide reliable yet engaging healthcare information, educate and empower women about how their bodies work and cut through the nonsense about women's health. And I could not be more delighted to have her on Fertility Life Raft. So please sit back and enjoy this empowering and super helpful chat with Dr. Anita Mitra. I am so delighted to have you with us on the show. So thank you for taking time out of what I'm sure is an incredibly busy schedule. You are a full-time NHS doctor. You have an incredible Instagram account where you're educating and empowering women about how their bodies work. And I was just reading about, you know, your why, like why you do that. And that's a big part of it was to just kind of cut through the nonsense and to make sure people actually had correct information. Tell me a bit more about why you wanted to start sharing this kind of stuff online. Yeah, well, thank you for having me, Alice. It's a real pleasure. I've always enjoyed following you as well. So um, fangirl moment. Um, <laughs> I think basically I um, I started my account quite a few years ago now and just kind of didn't really realise how much interest there was going to be in talking about things that were a bit taboo um, and just related to women's health. I mean, I was working in the hospital, talking to um, women all day, every day about periods and about gynecological health. And in particular, what stood out to me was the kind of questions that people would ask me that maybe you wouldn't really quite find the information if you Googled it um, or used any other search engine. Um, (laughs) You know, but the kind of thing that I think, oh, wow, well, I guess, yeah, I only know that because I went to medical school and I now specialise in women's health and otherwise I wouldn't know the answer. And so the kind of things I'm talking about, things about kind of like discharge or, you know, maybe like ovulation pain, all these kind of things that are happening in our body all the time and, you know, happening every few weeks or every few months. But if we don't really understand why they're happening, can cause quite a lot of anxiety. Um, and so that was one of the things. But then I also sort of noticed this conversation opening up online about women's health. And a lot of people were talking about it who maybe weren't necessarily the most qualified people. And whilst I do think there is a lot of value in anecdotal experiences, when you're kind of using um, that kind of information sometimes to influence what other people might do with regards to their health, it can be sometimes a little bit problematic. Um, And so I thought, hey, you know, let me just kind of give it a go. There weren't really that many doctors on social media at the time. And I wasn't really sure know how it was going to be received but just suddenly out of nowhere just more and more people started following me and I've never really been bothered about you know how many people are following me I just want to try and help people and educate them 
And I realized that I could just access so many more people than I could on a daily basis just by posting online. So I thought, hey, let's do this. And obviously, you know, I had the kind of like imposter syndrome thing where you're like, oh, gosh, but, you know, there's so many people who I work with who are so qualified and know so much more than me. But I think it's just being able to put it in that kind of really simple way that can actually be really helpful sometimes. And it's kind of ironic because, you know, the only thing I ever failed at medical school was communication skills. Um, <laughs> Seriously? Yes. What? Um, but I don't know. I just seem to have managed to kind of find this voice. And so I just try and use it where I can. And I'm very much influenced by what people ask me both in real life and online, because ultimately, you know, I could make a list of, say, 10 things that I think are interesting or educational or important. But if they're not interesting, educational or important to my audience, then what's what's the point? So that's why I'm very much open to what people want to talk about. And it has actually also really, I think, influenced my practice as a doctor, because I've realised that sometimes what we try and talk to people about in clinic isn't really what they want to know. And so I would actually say that, you know, being online has really educated me as a doctor to, to really understand what my patients are thinking and what the public are thinking and what they actually want us to, to talk to them about. I've just been scribbling away there because I'm like, oh, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about that with you. And it, <laughs> so it's so brilliant, Anita, because just coming into exactly what you were just saying just there, that you feel like it's actually um, informing how your practice, uh, you know, how you practice, that I feel like that really, you know, that's quite moving to me because I feel like a lot of the time there's this almost white coat sy- syndrome a little bit, particularly mm. with fertility patients, I think, where you, well, I certainly felt like it, where you do go into your room with your kind of consultant and you there's this kind of weird hierarchy thing where obviously they sort of hold all the information, all of the power really, because, mm. you know, they're, they're and and when you're in that position, you are so kind of desperate to have answers Mm. or you're desperate for your next appointment or you're desperate to know how is this going to end for me and so much of 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 you know a a kind of successful consultation from a patient's perspective is being heard and not just receiving the information that the the doctors want to give you so the fact that Mm. you're so kind of you know so open to listening to what do my audience want what do they need you know whether it's an audience or a patient essentially it comes down to that two-way conversation doesn't it yeah, definitely. And that's that's the crucial thing. It has to be two way. And I think that, you know, medicine's always traditionally been a very much um, kind of like paternalistic um, sort of I'm the doctor. So this is what I want to tell you. And this is what you need to do, because that's what I say. And I think that when you kind of break down the conversation more and, you know, you actually help people so much more often just by letting them say what they want to say. And I think that, you know, I, as I say, have learned so much more about the patient journey actually from social media because I see what people go through before they actually come to to see us because I see people documenting their very honest journeys and struggles with what they're going through with their health. And I think just even very simply kind of having insight into the fact that this might be a 20-minute consultation for me, but this is actually somebody's, you know, years worth of experience and, and struggles. And, you know, they've probably been building up to this moment for years. And for me, 
I could just simply see it as another 20 minutes, another name on my list that I have to get through. And it's not about that. It, it's, it's just so much more. Mm. Uh, and I think that when you really let people talk and, you know, just things that we're not really taught about at medical school, you learn so much. It, it's all about, you know, having that worldly experience, I guess. And, and from following accounts like yours and other people on social media who are so honest and brave and put their stories out there, you kind of, you learn so much more about what it's like to actually be that person who's sitting in front of you. And I think that people are more honest on social media than they might be to my face. So for example, you know, someone might not want to say to me, I don't really like the way that you've said that, you know, the way you've said like just, or, you know, just something really, really simple, but that can have a huge impact. Whereas on social media, people are really honest. And, and I think it can be hard sometimes to see people saying, you know, like, oh, I don't like doctors, or I don't like, you know, the way that somebody spoke to me. But when you can use that information and improve someone else's experience, and I think that is, you can't put a value on it. Mm, yeah I, I think that's exactly it is that we you know as as a patient you come into that consultation and you might have you know been radically changing your whole lifestyle to try and improve your fertility or you might be I don't know there's so many factors that go into by the time you're actually sitting in that and I'm kind of considering a first consultation but of course mm. you know however many months or years it may have been going on for you come to it with so much, you know, it is so, so much more than a 20 minute consultation. But again, coming back to the two way thing, it is, you know, important for the patient to take ownership of what's going on for them as well. Right. And it's, and that's, we were just talking just before I hit record there about mm. the reel that you made about how to self advocate in, mm. in an appointment. So just tell me what happened when you posted that reel and, and the response you had. Yeah, so I, I think I've just over the years had so many people messaging me saying, you know, I find it really hard to get doctors to listen to me. And, you know, do you have any advice about what I can do to get help with X, Y and Z? Um, and at the time, it was Endometriosis Awareness Month. And that's, you know, something that often I hear so many sad stories about people who've, you know, really been through so much to get a diagnosis or are still struggling to get to that point. And I think, you know, it's not just endometriosis. It happens with so many conditions in women's health. And, um, you know, I'm sure in other areas of medicine, although obviously, admittedly, the only thing I really know is about women's health. <laughs> um, but, you know, I just thought, wow, it's really, it's really difficult. What, you know, what can I do to try and help? So, you know, I have a couple of tips that I always um, give to people. So I thought, you know, let me try and um, get down with the kids and make a reel. Because um, <laughs> I think it's so difficult when it comes to um, education online. You know, you want to find a way that's kind of snappy and that's going to get to lots of people and get that information out there. So I made this little reel with a few little tips and lots of people were, you know, loved it, really grateful, um, found it really helpful. But a lot of people were quite upset with me. Um, a lot of people working in the medical field um, a lot of people say, you know, I think this is just too simplistic. Well, you've got 30 seconds. It's going to have to be a little bit simple. Um, but also a lot of people were saying, well, I think this just reinforces the fact that a lot of patients think that doctors aren't listening to them. And, you know, there's no smoke without fire, I suppose, is a good way of uh, sort of demonstrating this. You know, there are just so many people who I've seen who have not been listened to and that's why I chose to make to make the real 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I had done a poll on my stories asking, you know, how many people had felt that they had been dismissed or not listened to. Um, and it was such a significant number. I thought, you know, obviously, come on, the number's going to be inflated. You follow an account about gynecological health. There's a reason why you follow it. It's not because you like my selfies um, <laughs> or my my food or whatever. You know, that's not what I'm as lovely for. as they are. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, um, it's I made it for a reason unfortunately you know people are not being listened to and I think it's really difficult because you know I don't want to upset my my colleagues but I think that there's there are you know I think that sort of upset feeling came because there's struggles on both sides and I think that we can't deny that it's now in particular is a really difficult time to be a doctor to work in healthcare um and you know, that's that's something that we as healthcare professionals have to deal with. You know, it's really difficult because at the moment we just don't have enough resources. There's not enough time. There's so many people with such terrible things happening to them. And it can be really frustrating when you feel that it's really difficult to help them properly. Mm. Um, and I think certainly at the moment, a lot of GPs are finding it really difficult. I've had so many sad stories of GPs leaving the profession mm. um, because it's such a it's a tough area to work in. And it's certainly something that I, I couldn't do. Um, but, you know, I think we have to sort of sit a little bit uncomfortably with with the truth that unfortunately, there are lots of people who are finding it really difficult to get the, the medical help that they need. Mm. And we really have to do something about it. Yeah, thank you for that. And I think I think uh, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because I think as patients, I often hear as well that patients are like, well, no, I can't, I, you know, I don't feel like I can bring that up because other people are, you know, have it so much worse than me or, you know, I, I don't, or they might not even make an appointment because they just think, well, it's, it, I'm sure it's fine. You know, obviously there's opposite ends of the, the spectrum and we, we are yeah. obviously massively generalizing it. But there are, there, as you say, there are a lot, a lot, a lot of people who are not listened to properly and who really, who really must be. So mm. it's, it's, but completely understandably, it is such a difficult time for everyone in the healthcare profession at the moment. So, Again, it comes down to that kind of two-way respect, though, doesn't it? Just that mm. two-way, do you know what? When I'm in this consultation, it's about you. You know, mm. both both from the patient and from the doctor's perspective, it's about you. So let's just be here together and listen to what each other is saying in a kind of yeah. actual, you know, communicative way. Um, so I just want to come back to something that you mentioned earlier with that, one of the main drivers of you, wanting to begin your account and sharing and empowering women with information because there was a lot of unqualified information and actually if people are taking that as read as like oh well that's worked for that girl on mm-hmm. social media so maybe I'll try that and actually making sure because that's something I'm really passionate about as well like I love social media I love it for the community it's absolutely brilliant it's got so many conversations started etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. but we've got to be aware of the line haven't we and, and yeah. make sure we are getting trusted sources of, of information in, can't speak say that again <laughs> and make sure we're getting trusted sources of information yeah absolutely but I think that's the problem that you know I think that we I don't there's not that many great really what's the word um, engaging sources of reliable healthcare information out there Um, I think that, you know, the NHS has done a great job at, you know, putting um, information on their website, but it often is a little bit basic and people want to dig down more. I think often 
you know, people often think, oh, I've never really heard of this condition. I don't really know anyone with it. So that's when social media really, you know, comes into its own because you can go on social media, you can search a hashtag and then you can find all these people who've been through it. And it's amazing the communities that are out there because, you know, before social media, it was quite different. You would have to, for example, go to a support group. And I think that is, you know, really difficult because that's taking a huge step to decide, look, I'm going to really put myself out there. I'm going to physically go somewhere. Other people are going to see me. I might know somebody, Mm -hmm. for example. So it's completely different. But yeah, it's really difficult because the thing with social media is it's kind of almost difficult to work out who's reliable. You can have a blue tick. It doesn't mean that you are reliable with the information that you're putting out there. It just means that you're somebody who's noteworthy. Um, And so I think often people can take a blue tick as being like, this is a reliable source of healthcare information. Um, And I think that I've always found it really almost embarrassing to kind of talk about my credentials and my qualifications um, because it seems a bit like, "Mm, that's not not the way I would want to do it. Uh, But there are so many people out there who've built these incredibly beautiful accounts that look really reliable, but often they're not. And I don't necessarily think people are trying to to do harm. I'm not saying that, but I think that, yeah, it's very different getting information from somebody on social media and getting it from a healthcare professional, because ultimately we are able to give you a tailored service. But I think, again, one of the reasons why people go to social media is it can be quite difficult to actually get to be in that seat in front of one of us. Yes, absolutely. It is. And you and you you are craving it as well. You are craving information and it mm. can be overwhelming. You know, you go on Google and you are like inundated with so much stuff that you don't know what to believe and you don't know what's reliable. And it's really, you know, that that can be really um, disempowering because then you just go, well, I don't know what to believe and I don't know where to go with that. So I'm just going to, you know, not do anything. Um, <laughs> coming back to the self-advocating in a medical consultation what were your tips for people listening who are like yeah how do I (laughs) self-advocate okay so I am a massive fan of bringing a list because I think it's really overwhelming when you go to speak to a healthcare professional and when I go to see the doctor I take my own list because I get flustered and I'm like oh I have to remember to tell them this have to remember to tell them that so yeah take a list so things like you know what are the key pieces of information that you want me to know And for example, you know, if it's something to do with your periods or, you know, with relation to um, fertility, having an app, for example, looking at, you know, what your cycle's like, you know, maybe um, the kind of symptoms that you're having at different points of the cycle can be really, really helpful. And I love it when people get an app out and I'm like, great, we're going to get so much information in a really short space of time. Because often we'll ask you to actually kind of cycle track uh, with a really retro photocopied sheet you know one of those um sheets that's been photocopied so many times it's so grainy and (laughs) we have to give you that to bring back so retro I had one of those I was given one of those yeah exactly but if you've got the information already for me then you know we can almost kind of skip that point um and save some paper um Uh, the other thing is, you know, a list of questions as well. So what do you actually want to know? And this is something I always ask people. So I say, look, you know, maybe I'll say I've, I've talked quite a lot. Is this what you were hoping to talk about today? Is there anything in particular that, you know, we haven't talked about that you want to talk about? And what would you 
like to know before you leave that's they're kind of my kind of open-ended questions when we're kind of getting towards the end maybe but I'll think you know obviously I will ask open-ended questions at the start but not everyone's necessarily going to to be like that um so that's when it's a good idea and can be useful for kind of steering the conversation if you think it's kind of going off on a little bit of a tangent um and then the other thing is just to you know feel that you can actually ask questions just you know, if you're not given the opportunity to say, look, you know, this is what I'd really like to know, or I'm really worried that maybe I've got this, or why are we not doing this investigation? Because often, you know, I've got an idea of what's going on in my head, but I have to communicate that to you. And there might be times when I think, for example, okay, well, having spoken to this patient, I'm really certain that this isn't what the issue is, but I have to communicate that to you as well. Because if you leave thinking, well, maybe she never considered this is a possibility that you don't really feel that reassured. Mm. And the other thing is definitely with regards to investigations, I'm not one for sort of over investigating people, but sometimes I think it's not going to add anything to do X, Y, Z investigation. But again, I have to explain that to you for you to feel that I have, you know, explored all the possibilities Mm. Um, because, you know, at medical school, we very much get taught don't do a test unless it's going to change what you do. And if we start doing all these kind of random tests that aren't relevant, yeah, sure, you might find an abnormal result. But then you think, wow, what are we going to do with this? And does it actually mean anything? So it can be quite bewildering. And especially when it comes to um, the fertility world, there's so many different kind of um, tests out there that, you know, you might read that someone else has had done that might not be particularly evidence-based, for example, or might not be relevant to your situation. So that's why it's kind of important to um, to understand why we're doing what we're doing, essentially. Mm. But I think the other thing is that if you found a consultation to be very upsetting or, you know, you didn't like the way that you were spoken to, I really think that feedback is quite important and you can do that um, via pals in the hospital um, and you can also write a letter to your doctor and I think we should be doing this a little bit more than we do if you went to a restaurant you wouldn't let it lie if you didn't like it you would probably maybe write a bad review or tell them at the end and I have to be completely honest I'm not saying I'm sticking up for people who are rude um, but some people actually genuinely don't have any insight. Some people have, you know, maybe been doing this for such a long time that, you know, they've, again, I don't want to sound like I'm being disrespectful to people, but if you do, if that's the way you always do things and no one ever tells you any different, then you just think that's acceptable. And I think a lot of my um, colleagues maybe don't think about, the words that they use I mentioned earlier just Mm. I think just is a word that I I I kind of I feel a bit when I say that word in a consultation I'm like oh god I've said it Uh, because it's such it can be such a dismissive word but if you don't kind of take that time to reflect on what you said then okay you so you've just been trying for a year well that year (laughs) has probably been the most stressful year of this couple's life and you've kind of just dismissed it. So it's just very, oh, I've said just, it's, <laughs> it's those little tiny things that yes. we might do every day, we might say every day. And, and I think, again, another example of this is um, the conversation that has been started about childbirth and, and pregnancy and labour, about, you know, the terms like failure to progress or, you know, 
incompetent cervix, these kind of mm-hmm. things that are very much ingrained in our daily language and, and we use them, but to a patient, it can be quite offensive. And mm-hmm. so it's having that insight. I mean, I had a conversation with someone about this recently and they said, what do you mean that's offensive? So, you know, we are not all exposed to the same kind of online content, the same yes. kind of conversations with patients. So I think actually writing a very diplomatic letter might actually really provoke someone to actually reflect on what they do mm. uh, and might actually help them to change their practice. And it doesn't have to be sort of a, anything rude or ranting. It doesn't mean that you're going to get worse care the next time. But I think when you see something in black and white, it can really really strike a nerve and and I think it's quite useful amazing advice because I think as well what that does for the patient is help to validate and make them feel more empowered and that's really really important when you're going through fertility stuff where you feel so disempowered and so out of control that actually yeah just gracefully explaining to your consultant or whoever you've seen that actually when you said that it made me feel like this again as you say it doesn't have to be rude it just gives them more patient insight which can only improve their practice and also helps the patient feel like they're being listened to and validated and you're so right though that there is absolutely that fear that well if I really speak up about this then I'm going to get worse care next time or they Mm. might you know not give me like coming back to the restaurant um analogy they might you know spit in my (laughs) spit in my drugs or something but it's that idea that you know for some reason I don't know whether it's a British thing as well we just we just don't feel able to do that and you're so right and I remember being um advised actually when I was I was going through the NHS but my appointment kept getting cancelled for various reasons and it was incredibly frustrating and then I did have one private consultation and I remember just because I, I needed something to keep me going while I was waiting for mine and I remember her saying to me you should write a letter and like these are the things you should say in it and I was like huh I I had never even occurred to me that that was an option that I could I could sit down and write a letter to the clinic and explain how I felt and what was going on and take take some ownership of that and that felt really really good and really empowering and really um yeah just really helpful and again especially if you are under the NHS in the UK that's that feeling isn't there of like well I'm getting it for free so I can't you know say anything about me I just have to kind of put up with it but that's not the case at all is it No, absolutely not at all. Uh, And I just think that, you know, if you don't know how someone else feels, then you can't change what you do. Mm, Exactly. And it comes down to that kind of growth mindset idea that actually, you know, yes, it might be a bit uncomfortable to hear something, it might be a bit challenging, but you're only going to improve your experience and the patient's experience if you are able to take on some of that information and, and yeah, just make it make it a better experience all round and make the whole it just to me like it just seems so you know like a no-brainer to go well if you actually just listen to the person talking to you and you know you both listen to each other you're going to have a better experience (laughs) and it's going to probably going to improve outcomes because actually a lot of the time as a patient if you're feeling a bit stressed or you're feeling a bit which yeah is a huge word anyway in the fertility world <laughs> to, to call anyone stressed or to admit that you're stressed or to worry about stress is just like a like it's a stressful thing to think about stress but it, you know very often you are really feeling stressed and it's quite difficult to take in information in a way that's going to really go in properly so that you leave and i i hear from people all the time going i'm not actually exactly sure what's going on with my treatment like i don't really understand or i don't really mm. You know, I, I wasn't able to self-advocate in my appointment and I didn't know 
I wasn't quite sure when they were talking about this, that and the other. I just kind of went along with it. But mm-hmm. what's going to happen then? You might have someone like I actually have a really good friend who is, you know, super intelligent. She's a really like high flying lawyer and she was going through her treatment and she fucked up her treatment because she hadn't understood about the drugs or something like something went wrong. So she had to abandon that whole cycle of treatment and then start all over again. And I'm like, God, that's that is communication, isn't it? That's all it is. Yeah, it's it's really difficult because I think often there is a lot of presumed knowledge as well. And that's another thing that I always kind of tried to keep in the back of my mind that, you know, I always liken it to when I'm doing my tax return with my accountant. I do not understand about tax. I don't understand what I'm doing. I feel embarrassed to tell my accountant. I, d- I don't know what that means. But you can't be like that with health because I understand that often people might not want to say to me well what what does that actually mean or I don't I don't understand that it's okay to to say that but you have to make somebody feel comfortable enough to to make themselves vulnerable in that consultation and say well actually could you explain that again because I don't understand and so it can be useful to just you know ask for clarification um, ask if you know when you see a doctor in the hospital there'll always be a letter that's dictated after the consultation And so a copy will go to your GP and the copy will go to you. And so you can also just ask, could you just explain that a little bit in the letter that you're going to write? Because I always say to patients, look, we've talked about lots of things. It's quite overwhelming. If there's something you want me to write down now on a piece of paper, I'm more than happy to. And I'm going to explain things in more detail in the letter that I'm going to write and you're going to get a copy of. So that's really important, too. Um, And so, yeah, that's another way that you can just ask for further clarification. But please don't feel shy uh, and and don't feel afraid like I do with my accountant. (laughs) Yeah, I can really relate to that. Um, It's interesting using the word shy as well, because obviously when it comes to gynae stuff, like there's a a lot of people who are who do feel quite shy and who Mm. do feel like, oh, God, I've got to get my pants off and like sit Mm. on this table and get my leg like it's not very dignified is it I mean it gets to the stage I think when you if you have been in the in the journey for quite some time where you've been through lots of cycles of treatment like I had it does become a bit like whoop there we go knickers off on you get but I really remember I do you know strongly remember the first time I did have to go in and then saying, okay, you need to get on the bed, you need to take your knickers off and you need to put, your le- and by the way, there's this whole thing, isn't there, where we always hide our knickers. It's so oh, funny. Oh, I know. We like fold them up and put them like underneath our jeans on the chair, <laughs> which always makes me laugh. We've all been there. <laughs> there's quite a few memes about it on Instagram and I'm always like, yes, I used to do that. It's so <laughs> funny that we do it anyway. Um, but it can feel you are not you know you're not just emotionally vulnerable you are physically so vulnerable in those Mm. in those situations so it's really important that you feel able to kind of you know have retain some dignity and retain you know ownership of that experience in in whatever way you can and a lot of that comes down to the relationship between the consultant and the and the patient Definitely. And so if you're having an examination, you should always be offered a chaperone. So that would be um, usually a nurse who would come into the room, even if the doctor's female, we always offer that. Um, And I think it's also just for us to understand that that is a big hurdle as well, because I, 
I spend my days with people who are not wearing any clothes. I kind of think it's normal almost, um, but it's not normal for you. Uh, but, you know, I've been for a smear test and God, I don't know why I did it. I was like, oh, sorry, I haven't shaved my legs. And I just thought, Anita, you spend all day telling people that they don't need to shave or wax. and You've just gone and said it yourself. So, you know, I, I do understand how it feels. But, you know, again, just to reinforce, you don't need to remove any hair before you come to see us. You don't need to do anything with relation to hygiene I mean please don't use any washes or wipes I really detest those kinds of things that's a whole other story um but you know we're not going to judge you at all um we don't mind what underwear you have on you can leave it on the chair you can hide it you know do whatever you want to do but uh yeah we do try and maintain dignity but yeah it's definitely um I think that's another thing that just adds to the whole sort of um hesitancy often with consulting someone about any kind of gynecological health you can also say that you don't want to be examined and that's absolutely fine and you know just explain that you know maybe another day could we do it instead it's totally fine and that's often a time when again we sort of start to explore with you about what you know other barriers there might be are there any other issues that you want to talk about mm. so yeah don't don't ever feel forced but yes um it's something that we do often need to do to get more information but we can yes. do it on another day if you want yes and I think well it, and uh, actually that is a really key piece isn't it talking about the vulnerability you feel when you're naked from the waist down and your legs are up in in those stirrupy things <laughs> because it, you know you just as a fertility patient you know you have such a weird kind of relationship with your body anyway you know if if you know this is this is talking about you know if you personally are trying to get pregnant lots of people listening to this might be in a different situation trying to bring home a baby in any way but if it is you that's going that's trying to carry the baby um trying to get pregnant you know you do have a very uh difficult relationship with your own body you kind of feel mm. like it's failed you you feel like and then you know it's gone from this kind of lovely romantic thing where you're supposed to go and have sex and make a baby and it's just beautiful and just wonderful and so natural to that it just gets more and more and more medicalized and just you know difficult because mm. it becomes this very um what's the word I want to what is the word I'm looking for invasive you know mm. physically invasive um situation um so it's just so key, actually, that the patients come into it. And that's why I'm so passionate about mindset work, because, you know, yeah, you, definitely. You, it, it's really important that we do kind of speak very kindly to ourselves and very kindly to our body. You know, our bodies are amazing. They might be having some issues. <laughs> um, mine certainly has in the past. And, you know, it, it's just so important that part of what we do is just to go, I haven't failed. My body is amazing I just need mm. to go and do this and um you know see what see what's going on definitely I want to share a little random fact with you as well so yes. at medical school we're taught to um, examine people from the right hand side so if you're lying on a couch then the doctor usually would be on your right and the reason actually is because most of us are right-handed so it's supposed to give that sort of power to the patient that you know yeah. they have their right hand there as their kind of defense mechanism almost you want to go, um <laughs> yeah so it's kind of interesting uh so that's one of the reasons why we actually usually examine people from from the right hand side that is so, so we do want you to actually feel empowered yeah that's really interesting I didn't know that um yeah why would I that's really um 
I'm just trying to think what, what was it on the right hand side for me most of the time I can't I feel like most of mine were on the left for some reason but maybe that maybe my memory isn't serving me well um <laughs> the I just would love to because I'm sure people would love to know you mentioned that you actually encourage people quite often to use an app when you know to track your cycle what apps would you recommend which ones are good do you can do you have ones that come to mind I mean, so when it comes to tracking your cycle, I think you just want something quite simple. And so Clue is one of the period tracking apps that I would normally recommend. It's just very easy, very simple. You want something with a simple interface um, that will allow you to track various things. So, um, you know, I I have no affiliations with Clue. Um, It just allows you to track what your bleeding's like, um, pain, um, symptoms like breast tenderness, um, mood swings, um, and you can also track things like your sleep, your energy and intercourse as well. So that can be really helpful. I know there's lots of um, kind of fertility apps out there, but I have to say I haven't particularly found anything that I would really recommend with lots of evidence around getting pregnant. Um, but I do just think generally tracking your cycle can be really helpful for um helping you to learn about your um, your cycle and and when you are you know most fertile mm, yes I mean that was key for me because I had wildly irregular cycles mm. mine were just you know all over the place so for anyone listening who is thinking yeah I could do with understanding when I'm fertile because my periods are like 100 days long uh, cycles are 100 day- days long you know I I'm with you that's where I was as well and it was mm. incredibly frustrating because especially I remember coming home with one of those photo photocopies little you know graph things and going oh right okay and like a handful of pee on a stick ovulation things and I remember I was just peeing on sticks for like weeks because my period just wasn't yeah. coming and I was like okay this is this is yeah maybe maybe not as helpful as it might be with with people who do have slightly more regular cycles but even that in itself mm. you know obviously gave me information and it was helpful and and I remember I did use an app actually and that this was one of the things that was really difficult though in my first consultation because I went in and it was probably a bit before a lot of people were using apps maybe Mm -hmm. but my consultation asked me when my last period was and I got my phone out in order to try and like give her the information she was asking and I remember her like basically having a bit of a go at me for getting my phone. And I was like, no, no, I need, I'm trying to find the oh. thing. And I was like, she was like, no, put, put the phone down and just tell me. And I was like, I don't know. Like I need, it's really confusing, really confusing. And it was just so horrible. And I felt like I was being really like, I was like, oh, no, I was really proud of myself. Cause I was like, you know, I've got, the, I've got your information that I need. Yeah. You need, I can, I can do this. This is something that I can do for you. Um, and it was just, it was so rubbish. Cause she just kind of like, Ooh. you know, for want of a better word, sort of shat all over that. <laughs> well, it's quite hard to remember that kind of thing. You know, it's kind yeah. of like asking you, like, Anita, when did you last have grilled chicken for dinner? Well, I know <laughs> I know, I had it maybe, like, you know, a few days ago, but I don't remember which day. Yeah. So, you know, it's the same with your cycle, isn't it? <laughs> totally, and exactly. And it, especially when you're in the, you know, and I remember I was very nervous coming into that consultation. You know, mm. it, it had literally been cancelled, like, five times. There was something going on with the clinic. And so I, I, up until the point where I was actually sitting there in the room opposite that doctor, I was like, it's not going to happen. They're going to send me home again or they're going to, you know, something would have, mm. I, was, I was having nightmares about, you know, as you say, like having the insight over what actually is the patient bringing to it. And I, I remember like, yeah, literally having dreams where I would go to the hospital and be sent home again because I wouldn't be able to have my consultation. <laughs> um, Anita, thank you so much for your time and all of this amazing information is just so brilliant. So no thank you. 
if well, people want to, to find you, which I'm sure they will, tell tell everybody where they can find you, please. Yeah, so you can find me at Gyne Geek on Instagram and on Twitter, but I'm a bit scared of Twitter, so I don't really tweet very much. <laughs> and um, yeah, I'm always really interested to know what you guys want to know about. So if you have any ideas of things that you'd like me to do posts on, then please do let me know. Um, I can't answer any DMs. It just becomes very overwhelming for me. And also I'm not insured to do so. But yeah, always happy to be guided by what you want. Amazing. Thank you so much. And please do go and find Anita online, Gyne Geek on Instagram. I'm also scared of Twitter, so I'm with you. I have an account, but I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't really do it. But you can find me there too if you are on Twitter. Go and find me. Um, so take care, Anita, and we will speak really soon. Thank you. Definitely. Thank you, Valentine. Huge thank you to the guy in the geek, Anita. You are brilliant. And I'm so thankful to have people like Anita out there who are doing their best to empower and educate women. Um, actually, do you know what? Sometimes it's really helpful to hear from a professional saying, yeah, sometimes women do get fobbed off and sometimes women aren't listened to. And we have that now we have that information now so that we can actually self-advocate for the treatment that we need and that we want and that we should be demanding that even if it is within the nhs and here in the uk which is a free service often mostly free um we should be getting a standard of treatment and we should be listened to and we should be acknowledged and what we're going through should be validated so i think that's really important to raise and when it comes to emotional well-being and it comes to getting through this kind of intact and not just intact but actually really connecting to who we are and making sure that we're living our lives at the same time as going through this it's really vital that we don't get fobbed off or we are listened to um and while i'm not suggesting that you know we're all becoming experts in our own right that's not it but but it is to make sure that we are getting our questions answered and that we know like we have the information that we need in order to make empowered decisions so a huge thank you to anita and thank you to you my wonderful listener for tuning in today please do let me know if you loved today's show if you haven't listened to the rest of the series yet do go and have a listen this is episode five um i don't know where the time's going but yeah here we are episode five so go and have a, a listen to the other um great guests that i've had on and i'm so thankful to everyone who makes time to chat to me uh, do go and leave me a review it would be so great to um keep building that up and share share with people who you think would find this helpful that would be absolutely amazing for me and come and get me on instagram this is alice rose and have a look at my website this is alicerose.com lots and lots of lovely things there to support you and connect you to a community who really really do get it you do not have to do this by yourself you don't have to feel alone and we can support you and we can get you through this time sending everybody loads of love take care and i'll see you next time Thank you.